0: Greetings, Cornerstone family. Here we are for week two in this uh, different format, where we're trying to gather without physically gathering. And I will tell you that it's probably no more comfortable for me today than it is that it was last week. But um, we're making the best of it, as I'm sure you are too. And uh, I miss you guys. Um, I don't like uh, talking to a little black camera. I would rather um, be looking at you face to face. And um, just uh, getting in to interact with you and uh, give you hugs. And I look forward to the time where we get to do that again. And I do pray that this time just helps us really appreciate what we don't have right now, uh, that we would mm-hmm. use this as an opportunity for just that, to, if nothing else, to long for the togetherness that we talk so much about at our church. And so, But until that day comes, I just want to um, encourage you in the Lord and remind you that um, he is still in control. If you didn't get a chance to read psalm 73 this morning or psalm 16 they were in the group leader directions that were also uploaded to our website i just want to encourage you maybe even now before you listen to the message to pause the the video and just um, encourage your soul with those truths from god's word that he is still in control that in his presence there is fullness of joy Um, and in his right hand of their pleasures forever. And so um, that is my prayer for us. Things are still fluid, as you know, not just in our church, but in our whole neighborhoods and in our society. So please keep abreast of things by checking your emails, letting us know if we have your contact information checking the website we have some new tabs a news page we're trying to upload things to our Facebook page as we have them available so there's lots of ways for you to connect and stay connected and informed and not just about what's going on but even just some really great ideas for how to be on mission together and we're just trying to cre- come up with some creative ways of doing community together and, and along those lines there's some exciting things that are coming up that uh, we are excited for opportunities for you guys to connect for leaders to connect with you whether it be by by um, Zoom or FaceTime or just a phone call, Um, also just how to uh, opportunities and ways that you can um, just be the light and the salt even in this time to your neighbors, to people that you work with, um, to places that you frequented before and maybe just write them. I I did that today. I went over to uh, the local coffee shop where I spent a lot of time because we don't have a church office nor do we have a home office, so I spent a lot of time at the local Starbucks. And I've, on purpose, I've gotten to know many of the um, people that work there by name and have not seen them for a while. And so I wrote several of them thank you cards with Bible verses and put my card in there with my cell number and just said, hey, let us know if there's anything you or your family needs and we would love to help you. So there's just opportunities such as that. Um, We also, next week, so that would be the... 5th of April. We had planned to do our Seder for I think maybe the seventh or eighth year in a row. We are still planning on doing that, just it's going to be different. It's going to be by video. We're going to provide you some kits that will help you with, in a safe way, with um, a part of the story that is told in a gospel-centered Passover, and it'll be very much this format, but you'll have some tangible things that you can do as an individual, as couples, as a family as well. So be on the lookout for more information about how to get that material. We will let you know early next week as well. So I'm still excited for that. Uh, The same thing with um, things that are going on. We're planning stuff for Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday. But it's all very fluid just because everything that's going on in our society right now is, um, is up in the air. And but we know a God who is our rock and our anchor, and we just need to be anchored to Him. Um, I want to encourage you too to just share some stories. If you have ideas, examples, things that you've done, um, let me know. Let your other leaders know so that we can sort of share our own little gospel moments and encourage one another. And one, just encourage one another by being reminded, hey, I'm still out there. I'm still alive. And two, by um, by going, oh, that's a great idea. I could do that in my neighborhood. So let's um, let's share stories. Just shoot them to the leaders, and we will get them out there the best way we can. We are um, also just encouraging you to pray as much as possible. To pray, and I'll talk a little bit about this in the message, to pray and to fast, and uh, just to, to be focused on him. Uh, this is not... It's not coincidental that that all of this is happening in a season where we're walking into uh, the passover which is a week from wednesday and then what we celebrate as bible as new testament christians good friday and resurrection sunday as well and so um, these are all not coincidental in god's economy so keep praying and keep looking up um, that jesus tells us in luke 21 28 it's what i sign off all my emails on is uh, that that when when things start to happen and we see these signs, we are not to hide. We are to stand up and we're to turn our heads to the sky and look to him for our salvation is drawing near. And we absolutely believe that. Uh, So be praying as well. And more information about how we can gather in prayer, even if we can't physically gather like we normally would, we're going to be getting you that information as well. So just be on the lookout. Um, But for that, let me pray and we'll jump right into where we're going to be in the Word today. So Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this chance to be with my brothers and sisters, even in this way. Lord, I thank you that we um, have these kinds of things that we can do this. Lord, I pray that you would um, open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things from your truth. Lord, I pray that the things that we do not know, you would teach us. I pray that the things that we cannot see, you would show us. I pray that the things um, that we are not, you would make us. And I pray all of this, that it would be done by the power of your Spirit, but for the glory of your Son and the fame of the Father. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. And all God's people everywhere said, Amen. All right, so we are in week two of our resurrection series that we've been in. We're calling it Living Like Christ, and it's preparing our hearts for the resurrection. And how? in in um, the First John, it says, Those who call themselves Christians are to walk in the same manner in which he walked. And so last week, we looked at um, the idea of... Um, Practicing Radical Hospitality in the Foot-Washing Scene in John 13. And this week we're going to be looking at today's message, Diligently Diminishing Distraction. And we're going to be in 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 the word in Matthew 26. So um, find Matthew 26, and while you do that, I just want to share, you know, there, there are some big events in the history of the world, and they're recorded in this Bible, in, in your Bible, and, and there are the um, creation, Genesis 1 and 2, the fall, Genesis 3, and then the rest of the Old Testament story is pointing forward to the promises that are going to be fulfilled in the coming Messiah, his first and second coming. And so that's things like the Passover that we're going to celebrate as part of our Seder. Those are all promises that are foreshadowing the coming Christ. And then another great event in history is when he came. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul tells us in Galatians. And he did that um, to fulfill many of the promises, not all the promises, but many of the promises in the in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament, and then he um, another great event was what we're going to look at on Good Friday, and that was his death. Another event was three days later, he rose again in the resurrection, and the power to, that that proves that that the sting of um, sin and death is gone because he defeated it. And so there's that great event, and then there's. Uh, an event that is yet to come, and that is his second advent or his second coming, um, and that is going to be a great and glorious day. We looked at it a lot when we were going through our six-month series in Revelation and Daniel, but it is um, a powerful thing to be looking forward to, and it's where we find our hope. But we are living in this tension of what we call the already but not yet. We did a whole that whole series was already finished but not yet accomplished and so um it's this idea of um he says at the cross we'll see on good friday it is finished but he doesn't say it is done until the very end of the story in revelation uh, at the very end of revelation so um we are in that place of of how do we live knowing that the victory is already ours but but in a world that still feels defeated and even and especially now like no time in our lives even i would say Um, It has been, um, this is a global thing. 9-11, for those of us that are old enough to have lived that, was a powerful thing, a powerful event that really got us all thinking a lot. But uh, this is a far more global and far more far-reaching event in our world, whether you think it's justified or not. It just is. And there's great gospel opportunity here, so we need to make the most of it. Um, And that's what today's message is going to be a little bit about as well. So it's still going to be the same format. I'm going to be teaching for a little bit. I've obviously already talked for too long doing my little announcements. I'm going to try and shorten today up. I apologize for the last week was so long. But I'll be teaching for a little bit. Then we'll have some table talk questions. I want to encourage you to pause the video. Take your time to talk about those things together. I've heard some really great testimonies about how that time of gathering together and talking was so incredibly encouraging but also just powerful for parents and their kids, but also for couples. You know, when we first planted the church nine years ago, my vision, because I came out of education five years prior to that, was uh, that I, that I love the idea of, of the didactic teaching, the question and answer sort of thing. And so um, we just have, whether it was because our facilities wouldn't allow us to do it comfortably, um, there have been lots of reasons slash excuses for why we haven't seen, we haven't done that more at Cornerstone. That meaning table talk time. We started doing it a few months ago. But it's really where we want to move as a church. And, um, and maybe this is part of what God is going to use even this time for in our church family. Is to help us get more comfortable with this idea of we're going to teach for a little bit. And then we're going to look across the table or across a couch from at a person that's sitting next to us. Um, And we're going to talk about what we just, we're going to engage in the Word and not just be listeners, but we're going to be active participants, doers, as James has told us. And so I'm excited for that. I just wish I could see it happen, and I can't, because all I'm looking at is a black box that looks like a video camera. So today's passage is in Matthew 26, 36 through 46, and the question I'm going to ask or answer today, the passage is going to answer is, how can we diminish the things that distract us from devotion to our Heavenly Father? How can we diminish the things that distract us from devotion to our Heavenly Father? We know that Jesus was not distracted, that he was fully devoted to the Father. So we're going to look at him, and then we're going to look at his disciples and see how they differ a little bit and how they were not distracted. So the first thing we're going to see is that we need to be um, keeping watch with Christ. He invites us to join him on this journey, um, and we are going to join him now. So if you would, if you haven't turned there yet, turn to Matthew 26. We're going to start in verse 36. And read through verse 39. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he he became grieved and distressed. And then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Remember that. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face, and he prayed, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You know, it's interesting how he asks in verse 38, he says, um, or the direction he gives to Peter, James, and John, he says, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death, but remain here and keep watch with me. At this point, he is experiencing deep sorrow. He knows what's in front of him. They're still clueless. They've walked out of the upper room where we were last week, the foot washing, the Last Supper. You're going to read about that in John 14, um, 15, and 16 in the next couple weeks in part of your daily readings. I really want to encourage you to get signed up for the In the Word today so that you're getting those daily readings in your inbox if if you don't have the connecting points that are all online as well. But it's so important for you to see the whole story that we're walking through during this season. So he walks out of that room, he gets to the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes the three of them with him a little bit further. He is at this point, he knows what his next twelve hours is going to look like. And um, and he's already tired. He's already exhausted. He's been serving these people all night long, and he is looking at them and he's saying, I am I am troubled, brothers. So I want you to be I want you to remain here, but I want you to be with me. And and, and what he meant by that is by praying. And we'll get there in a minute, but um, it's, it's, he's inviting them... Into this journey, and yet they're so caught up. Frankly, if 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 you remember, um, we talked about this. Is they're walking up to into Jerusalem. They're bragging. They're thinking, okay, this is the time he's going to walk into Jerusalem. This is when he's finally going to really show himself to be the powerful Messiah that's going to take over the world. And man, we're his inner circle. And so, what are we going to get to do? And who's going to be the most important? And and he he rebukes them for battling about who's going to be the greatest and the least in the kingdom. And they thought the kingdom was like coming today. And so um, they're, they're very confused about what's going on at this point. So when he says, stay with me, they, they probably don't see this as a very important request. We look back in hindsight and go, man, this was everything. But because we have his word and we see the whole thing in hindsight, because he's asking us the same thing today. He's, he is looking you and I in the face and he's saying, I am grieved about what's going on in my creation. Keep watch with me so are we are you are you really keeping watch with him are you are you about his business because how much time and energy are we wasting on on things that on building our own kingdom frankly instead of living for his kingdom on on watching what's going on with the stock market i don't have any money there so i guess i probably can't really speak from personal experience but um but and and wringing our hands because there went our retirement well what was Jesus's retirement plan? What was Paul's? Right? What was what was Martin Luther's? What was Augustine's? What was? I mean, seriously, George Mueller died with almost nothing, but man, can you imagine the eternal reward that man had? But I digress. As Christians, guys, if if we really believe He is the anchor of our soul, should we not be the most steadfast, immovable? Focused people on the planet because he is from everlasting to everlasting. he is God he is the Alpha and the mega the beginning and the end he does not change so no matter what's going on in our world right now we should not change either and and that's part of my charge I want I want to show you something turn if you would to um, Matthew chapter six so we'll go back um, towards the beginning of the of the gospel that we're in, in Matthew I want to show you something that just we, I taught through this when we were teaching on prayer and fasting back in our witness series which was in January. Um, you can go back and listen to those then, but I just want to show you something that I didn't see then, um, but I saw, I saw it the other day in my Greek class of all things, and, and it, and it uh, really jumped out to me, so I wanted to share it with you. So come into my study with me, if you would, if I had a study. And, um, and it says in, in uh, Matthew 6, verse 5, he says, When you pray, so he's going to teach them to pray. In a minute, he's going to do the Lord's Prayer. I'm not going to go over that now, if in the interest of time, but he says, When you pray, You are not to be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corner. So they like to pray publicly. But he says, so that they may be seen by men. So they might get the glory of men is what that actually says in the Greek. And then he says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, they're not going to get what they prayed for or anything like it because whatever the men are giving, whatever their glory they're getting from people, that's all they're getting. And then he says this, but when you, but you, when you pray, go into the inner room. That inner room there actually means, um, some of of your Bibles might say storage room. Um, It actually means inner place. Um, but but storage room would be it's, it was a room in the middle of their homes where they kept their most important possessions because it was the safest place. In fact, sometimes they would bring their animals into that room at the um, at night so they didn't get stolen because it was the most protected place. And, and they they didn't have security screen doors and alarm systems. And so when he says inner room, he's talking about like the the innermost protected place you have. Go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your father who who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now get this. Here's what I saw. So so he's so he's saying go into your inner place. Now 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 check this out. He then teaches on the Lord's prayer, pray this way. He talks about fasting. We're going to look at that in a minute, but he talks about fasting. And then look at what he says in verse 19. Same, he's just flowing right on through. It's all connected to Jesus. He says do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy where thieves do not break in or steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Guys, guys do you see and then he goes on to talk about um the importance you, you can't live for money and for God and but guys do you do you see what he's saying? He just says when when you pray go into your inner into your inner place, go into your inner room, go into to the safest place you have and then he teaches on but man don't be storing up your storage room is what that is don't be storing up worldly things so here's what that struck me with what if your storeroom your inner place is so full of worldly things there's no room for Jesus what if you're so distracted by what's going on in the world there's no place there's no room for him in the inn of your inner place of your storage room Why does the enemy want to distract us so much? It's because we're image bearers of God. And he knows that if he can distract us, he knows that what we fixate on, we migrate towards, we move towards. So if he can distract us away from, from gazing on Christ and on to looking at the worldly things, we will look more like the world and less like Jesus. And we will not... Be the image bearers that God has created us to be. Matthew Henry said this, he said, There is scarcely any sin against which our Lord Jesus more warns his disciples than disquieting, distracting, distrustful cares about the things of this life. He's saying there is nothing that Jesus warns more about than distraction. If we go back to our passage in Matthew 26, um I just want to point out, I'm going to talk about it more, Lord Willing on Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. so I'm not going to do much about it today, but I do want just to let everybody know that I know that verse thirty nine yet not as I will, but thy will be done has massive power. And Lord Willing will be there in a couple of weeks um, when we talk about not focusing on the on the um, on the whys of this world, but getting focused on the yets. but um, but for now, if you will, here's the table talk question for this point. It says, what are the things that seem to distract you and your family from devotion to God? Name them. List them. Are some of the things on your list good? Job, school, need for food, water, shelter, rest. Okay, Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. So I'm not saying get busy. He says, then it says, so are there there those Then He says, how can you work to help even the good things not get in the way of God's things? get practical, and put steps in place. So what I want you to do right now is pause the video, take a few minutes with whoever you're gathered with, and talk about that question. Okay, so the question today is, how can we diminish the things that distract us from from devotion to our Heavenly Father? The first is by keeping watch with Christ. The second point moves pretty quick, and it is by praying to be kept from temptation. He is asking, he's about to ask in our passage for them to do battle on his behalf. Or to, or that's what he has asked them to do. He's like, you, I'm going to go a little further away. You keep watch with me. You do battle with me by praying. Now watch what happens when he comes back. Pick it up in verse 40. He says, and he came in the, to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Now, have you ever tried to pray for an hour? That's a long time to pray, actually, in fairness to them. He says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Do you see what he's saying? Keep on watch, keep on praying, keep on seeking the things above, because otherwise temptation will come in. You're either moving in one direction or the other. You're either moving more towards the world or we're moving closer to Christ. There is no, I'm just treading water in the Christian walk. There just isn't. And it says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's saying, your your Christian part of you. The born again part of you is strong and wants to. It's that, it's that Romans 7 thing. But your flesh has got struggles. And we have got to be about helping each other find victory over the flesh. Verse 42. And he went away a second time and he prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, this is the cup of wrath. And we're going to see that beautifully in the Seder next week. And you're going to get to participate in that even in your own homes. I'm excited for that, for what we're um, kicking around even as of today. Uh, more information to come. He says, um, but if, if it doesn't pass unless I drink it, this cup of wrath, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. Guys, these are the guys. So so, so they can't stay awake. He wakes them back up. They, they fall back asleep again. These are the guys that were bragging just earlier that after, this after, very afternoon. They are bragging about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. Now they can't even stay awake because they don't get the desperation of the time. Guys, they were not ready to rule with Jesus for an hour. Ruling with Jesus looks like being on your knees and praying in this case. And they weren't ready to do it for an hour, let alone for eternity. But again, I have to ask my own heart... Because what about me? Like what 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 happens in my private times and in my inner person prayer closet is way more important than what happens in my public times. Am I because that's where the battle really is. Am I am I am I ready to to do battle against temptation, against Satan, against the world on his behalf that I might rule and reign with him forever as he promises when he comes again. Because he is they didn't get the importance of this scene of of what is going on here. If if get this, if Jesus loses this fight of of I know what I need to do, not my will but thy will be done, Father. If he loses that fight and he's like I'm, I I can't I'm, I can't do it. Father, I just can't. We lose. Huge. Right? This is the most important battle that Jesus is ever going to undergo. He's asking his closest friends to be with him. He's asking us the same thing today. He is grieved about what's going on in our world right now. He's grieved about what's going on in the church right now, and he is shaking his bride awake because we just keep hitting the snooze button. One of the ways that we can diminish the distractions of the world of is is by removing those things we see as idols, that are idols what what we talk about fasting. Are we pleading? Are we begging? Are we fasting that God would do something miraculous in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our neighborhoods, in the community, in our country, and around the world. Because he is still that God. He still wants to do that. But fasting is not trying to earn his approval. It's not trying to it's not trying to deprive yourself of something to show yourself to be more holy. I taught on fasting a few weeks ago or three two months ago. I'm not gonna do it again. But it, it is a focused time to, to just turn your mind's attention and heart's affection to him by depriving yourself of something that might distract you that distract in, in David fasted after his son died from Bathsheba he fasted it, it didn't work in the sense that the son still died but it did work in the sense that Jesus or that David felt his grace. He fasted again when a, when a plague that he caused, was sweeping the nation. This is in First Chronicles chapter twenty-one. If you want to look it up, a plague is sweeping his nation. He caused it, and he's praying and fasting, and the Lord stops the plague. Seems pretty timely for us. We know Daniel fasted. We saw that when we were going through Daniel and Revelation. He fasted to see visions and and have dreams interpreted for him. He fasted to have that happen, right? Jesus fasted for forty days and forty nights, and oh by the way, Jesus right now in heaven is fasting because if you look at um, ch- verse 29 of the chapter we're in. Verse 26. Look what he says in in Matthew 26:29. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He's saying these cups that we're going to look at next week in the seder, I am fasting from those until I fulfill them perfectly at my redemption, at the re- at the full redemption and restoration of all things. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. But until that day comes, he's asking us to pay closer attention to what he's doing in the world. And one of the ways we can do that is by cutting out the distractions. It's by fasting. We can do a regular fast from all... All food except for water. We see that in Scripture. We can do partial fast where you just fast from a few meals. Um, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about doing that over the next couple of Tuesday nights through Wednesday. So from from after dinner Tuesday until dinner Wednesday, the next two weeks, fasting as a church family, just to um, to turn our attention together to what He's doing in the world right now. You can fast from other things. You could fast from Netflix. You can fast from um, you could fast from all kinds of stuff. But what we believe is why we're doing it is to press into Christ more. Guys, the the bottom line is, his blessing is where he is. So the, the more we focus on him, the more we look to him, the more we walk with him, the more we look like him, he's there. And he's the blessing. And so fasting is just a way that accelerates that because it causes us to focus better. So I just want to encourage you to think through, what are you feasting on right now that you ought to fast from because it really, like nothing else, fasting from, from stuff that is a distraction really proves your hot-heartedness for Christ. And I know that rubs people the wrong way. I frankly don't care because it's the truth. How do you know? Because Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Right? All that other stuff is a distraction, he's saying. All the things you're worried about are a distraction. All the things you're pursuing are a distraction. Seek first me. Fast. And watch and see what happens. Guys, if there is ever a time that we need to get more serious about our faith, doesn't it seem like now is it? I mean, if not now, I don't know when. So look at your table talk question. It says, What might you fast from for the next 14 days between now and Resurrection Sunday? Choose something individually and also something as a family. Also consider joining with your church family, fasting from dinner Tuesday until dinner Wednesday. Guys, turn off the TV and go walk your neighborhood and pray for your pray for your neighbors. Right? Rather than sitting, scrolling through Facebook and, and looking at all the things that are going on on Facebook, just read a good book. Instead of watching Fox News or CNN and, 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 and letting that build your worry and fear, turn it off. And fast from worry and fear. I know a brother in our church right now that he's fasting from fear. And he's just saying, and so there's something you could fast from for the next couple weeks. If you don't know where I'm getting these Table Talk questions, by the way, they are uploaded to our website. And so you could, even as you pause right now, if you don't have them in front of you, pause the video to talk about the question. And then um, if you need to, go to the website and download the PDF of the connecting points. So take a minute and talk about the Table Talk question okay so we are looking at the question how can we diminish the things that distract us from devotion to our heavenly Father first it was by keeping watch with Christ second it was by praying or fasting to be kept from temptation to be to diminish the distractions that um, keep us from the devotion and then the last point and it goes fairly quickly is to remember that this is what this is really all about to remember what all like what all of this your life, the home I'm sitting in right now, um, your salvation. What is it all about anyway? Look at what he says in verse 44 through the end of our section, which is 46. It says, he left them again and he went away and prayed the third time, saying to them the same thing once more. And then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Guys, that the hour—I mean—we think of that as like just a a little colloquialism. Like that's a huge deal. From eternity past, this hour has been planned, and he's like, the hour is now. So feel the weight of that from Jesus' perspective. They are still clueless. He says, "Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand." Guys. I want want to make sure that we're really clear about something here as it relates to the the scene that we're looking at and, and then how that will even relate to how we can live our lives today, not in fear. What we just see, what we see here, and what we see in those last words, get up, we must be, the hour's at hand, get up, the one who's betraying me is coming. Jesus is the one in complete control. Judas is not in control. The Pharisees are not in control. The Romans are not in control jesus is in control in this moment right how do we know that well look at verse 47 so up walks judas while they were speaking behold judas one of the twelve came up accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs and they came to the chief priests and elders and the people and 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 he was the one betraying him and he gave the sign saying whoever i kiss he is the one sees him. So the, the people that are coming to arrest Jesus don't even know what he looks like for whatever reason, but he's been out in public all this time. So he, the sign is, I'm going to kiss him. Immediately Jesus, Judas walks up to Jesus and says, Hail, Rabbi, and kisses him. Man, that must have been a moment. And Jesus said to him, Friend. Yeah, there's a, there is a whole other thing right there. He looks at his betrayer and calls him friend. And he means it. This is not like some sarcastic thing. Friend, do what you have come for. He knows Judas is just a pawn in the plan that he and his father had planned out from eternity past. And he says, and they laid hands on Jesus and they seized him. And behold, now you know, get this. And behold, one of those who were with him—it was probably Peter—reached out his hand, reached out his, reached out, drew a sword, and struck the slave with the high, the high priest and cut and lopped off his ear. Right? Then Jesus said, "Put away your sword into its place." For all those who take the sword will perish by the sword. Now get this, guys. Get get. In addition to the fact that Jesus knew all this was coming, look, and, look at the reality here of what Jesus is about to say. Or do you think that I could not appeal to my Father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Guys, the scene in John where John records this, the, the crowd walks up to Jesus to arrest him. He says, who are you seeking? They say, we're looking for Jesus. He answers them, I am. And they all get knocked down. I mean, we don't see it here. We don't even see it in John. But this was a powerful moment. Like, like Jesus had the absolute power and authority. At that moment, he could have said, okay, Father, bring the angels. Annihilate these people. And he didn't. He chose not to. Why? Because he is the one who is in control. He knew the truth of Romans chapter 8, verse 37 to 39, before he wrote it, before he had Paul write it. right? He is convinced that nothing can separate him from the love of the Father. He is convinced that neither life, nor death, nor principalities, nor things unseen, nor, nor any created thing, including the coronavirus, can separate me from the love of Christ. He knew that truth. He knew that that all he had that he knew that all he had to do was say a word and his father would 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 um, um, save him, but he also knew that in saving himself he couldn't save us, right? And and after his death and after the resurrection in Luke chapter 24, he's walking along on the road to Emmaus, and it says and he says to them he says you foolish men. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things? Like, like, like this is a this is a completely intentionally orchestrated season because He is bringing about the salvation of His people. The only way it can be done, and that's for Him to pay the price that for the sin, the cost of sin, the penalty of sin that we deserve. But do we see it that way? Guys, he is still in control. He is still on his throne. The same one who could have stopped this from happening could stop instantly the coronavirus from spreading. He's choosing not to. We can either sit back and worry and fret. We can hunker down and hide out. We can just go, oh well, and just keep living our lives like like we're like we have no idea what in the world he's doing we can keep looking up and going, Lord, how do you want us to use this intentionally orchestrated time in the history of your people to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? To, for us to join with him in saying, not our will. I don't, I don't want it to be this way. There are things going on in our family, with our family that, that hurt because of what's going on. I, I, I don't want that, but I want his will done more than I don't want that. And so I'm going to ask you to join with me in that wanting. Look at your last table talk question. We'll wrap it up. When you look at the intricacy of detail with which God has been orchestrating his gospel story, how does that help you deal with today? So when you look at how detailed this book is from beginning to end, and he's been bringing this plan about, how, how does that give you assurance and hope for all that we see as mayhem today? And then the next thing is, so how are you dealing with today in a way that conveys the gospel story to a world that needs to see his light shining in you? You're going to answer that question in a minute, but before you do, I would just want to remind you one last time of the question. How can we diminish the things that distract us from the devotion to our Heavenly Father? Guys, he is telling a grand story. And he is still telling it today. Everything that is happening in our world right now is part of that story. He has not lost control. He has not relinquished control. He has not let go of anything. And we have the blessing of being part of that story. Guys, that's an amazing thing. Don't waste this moment. I'm begging you. Do not waste this moment by just hunkering down and binge watching Netflix or playing Fortnite until your thumbs fall off. Don't waste this moment by by just trying to get through it. Whatever it looks like for all of us. I'm struggling with it too. But guys, we need to make the most of this moment because this moment is orchestrated by him. He is literally shaking his bride awake. Guys, go back and read the passage that led me to teach us, to lead us through Revelation and Daniel for six months. Revelation 18, 4 and 5. Come out of her, my people, that you might not receive and partake of her plagues. Guys, that's what's going on in the world right now. Don't miss this moment. Don't keep hitting the snooze button on your on your um, spiritual life. He's shaking us awake. He's shaking your friends that are professing faith in Christ but aren't really living for Christ. Guys, with love, gently encourage them. Help them wake up. Help his bride wake up. Because we are what he is doing in the world right now. Make the most of it. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for that truth. I thank you that you have not lost control, that you are still on your throne. I thank you that that you are good and grand, that you are all-powerful. I thank you that you spoke and it was and you speak and it is. I thank you that we can rest in that truth, that we can set our anchor upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. And he will not move. And because he will not move, we don't move. I have put God at my right hand, therefore I shall not be shaken. And your bride is in your right hand, and you are shaking it awake. Lord, wake us up. Help us to be bold and hot-hearted. Help us to not be distracted and discouraged. Help us to live in the victory that is already ours because of what you have done for us. And Lord, help us to keep looking up in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Love you guys. See you soon.